It's about that time, everyone. Feel free to sink into your chair, kick your feet up on the desk, throw that cruise control on. We're going to take you behind the blue curtain. Hey, listeners. It's your hosts of the Blue Curtain, George and Patrick. I want to say thank you for joining us today. And for those of you who don't know what Blue Curtain is, we're here to help shed the light, both good, bad, and the ugly, of the medical device industry. We're here to give the latest and greatest. And today's guest is close to my heart. He is a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine, and, and an absolute seasoned vet when it comes to medical device sales. Ladies and gentlemen, I have Jonathan Wolzik on the line. He's from Louisville, Kentucky. He's a senior sales consultant for Depew MyTech. And so without further ado, John, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited about this opportunity. Yeah. So John, believe it or not, this is actually our first podcast recording with the Blue Curtain. And you are the honorary. You are the first one. Ah. To get yep, you're the first one for the ah. podcast. And it's going to be a doozy. Very honored. All right. So with that being said, John, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, um, some of the roles you've done, the length you've been in the industry, and some of the specialties you've been in. Well, again, uh, George and Patrick, thanks for having me. And, you know, George, we met out in Portland, Oregon, and became pretty good friends. So, uh, again... Thanks for having me, and I'll get started. So my name is Jonathan Wolzik, and I'm with Depew MyTech. Um, I've been in the industry now going on almost, it'll be 17 years this spring. Um, and I started out with a little company known as Arthrex. And I was a sales consultant, territory leader, whatever you want to call it, um, for a distributor out of NAC, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. But I've always I, I uh, always had my territory here in Louisville, Kentucky, and um, grew a territory from a very small, you know, thirty thousand dollar a month territory up to, you know, um, about a four and a half million dollar territory a year um, in about a eleven year period. Ended up having a pretty ugly falling out with the local distributor, um, as everybody knows. Arthrex is a distributor based model, and they have. Um, Arthrex is very demanding on their distributors and distributors are very demanding on their reps. And so um, they were looking to downsize territories as it is going nationwide. But anyway, we'll get to that point down the road. Um, and then I ended up moving out to Portland, Oregon and became a territory manager in Portland. And that's where I'd met George Cram and um, was out there for right about a year with a new distributor that was formed by Arthrex. Um, and as George can probably tell you, that guy was kind of a train wreck himself. And so it just wasn't a good fit for me and what I was trying to accomplish in my career. So we parted ways there and I ended up coming back to Louisville, Kentucky with Depew MyTech, who I was friends with some of the, uh, the distributor here in Louisville reached out to them and they gave me an opportunity with them, got hired on and, uh, started a interesting kind of territory here in louisville we are a um we are a group we don't have a specific territory we've got four three three senior reps basically uh me jonathan mulzik and a friend of mine dan and another guy chris 
we split a almost a five million dollar territory between the three of us and we have a few associates that are underneath us and they are coming on board as partners as well in the next in 2020 so i've been here for it'll be six years with the view my tech and um again i'm considered a territory or a senior sales consultant for johnson johnson and um we're the number one territory in the country as we speak we were just told we finished the year with a huge year so um that's kind of why i'm at there congratulations congratulations so i actually have a follow i have a follow-up question so going from a distributor where you're considered you know maybe a 1099 rep and then going to a direct line with j and j Tell me some of the differences you've seen uh, going from distributor to something more, uh, you know, a larger corporation, more corporate. That's a, that's a very loaded question, and I'll try to be as honest as I can with it. Um, some people are very good at a distributor-based model um, as a sales rep. Um, when you're an Artrex consultant, you have to have an LLC. They pay your LLC, and you're, you're running your own taxes. You're paying your own everything, your own benefits. If you're a spouse or significant other or if you're not under – mommy and daddy's umbrella, you know, you're, you're basically running your small little, your own small little business. You're paying your own inventory costs, your own territory costs, so on and so forth. And they deduct it out of your paycheck. So um, if you're good at managing that side of things, good on you. Um, going to a direct model, obviously you're with Johnson and Johnson. They're one of the biggest companies in the world. They have a great benefits package. You get you know, you get the car, you get the car, gas card, you get expenses paid for and so on and so on. Um, so to answer your question, uh, at, at the Arthrex level, they always tell you the grass isn't greener. You don't want to go that model. You're always under the corporate thumb and, you, and they're right a little bit. You are under the corporate thumb, but there's also a lot more job security in, in the direct model where at Arthrex, they can just decide one day or the distributor model they can just decide one day to say, you know what, it's just not working out and we're going to let you go. Sorry about your luck. And you have no stake in the company. You have no investment in the distributorship or the company where the direct model, what I've figured out is, you know, they take care of their employees Um, financially. They take care of them with health. There's, you know, like Johnson Johnson, they'll help you for continuing education. If you want to go after your master's, they help pay for school. If you have family, you know, any of your, if your spouse. So I love the direct model. I think it's a much better model. There's more stability in it. Um, I think, and with the way the industry's going and as competitive as it is, you know, at a distributor model, if you're a single vendor where like an Arthrex model, cause that's where I was, you know, you have one product and that's it. If, and I think that can be, if you're a long-term rep, 16 years, 17 years, like myself, you've, got a lot of relationships that you can take advantage of and uh, where the, you know, and you can't do it at direct model, but you know, Johnson Johnson also has multiple divisions that they allow you to dabble in. So, you know, there's way more, I think opportunities within the direct model furthering your career management wise and so on and so forth. Yeah, John, I couldn't agree more doing the same uh, sort of Avenue going from uh, distributor to more direct the one thing that I've noticed uh, is, is the level of support you get from, from a corporate structure. Uh, as a distributor model, you know, you're really stuck with whatever distributor you, you, you have and maybe this, the situation and the, uh, the structure of the company is, you know, maybe less, is not as sophisticated as a corporate setting. Uh, and so that's, Absolutely. One of, that's one of the things that I've noticed dramatically is, is the level of support you get 
the resources uh, that are available for you. Um, and so overall, it just kind of makes your job a lot less, you know, of a headache rather than going that distributor model. Yeah, you definitely don't wake up every day thinking, well, I wonder if I wonder if my distributor is going to change things up and I'm going to be they're going to cut my territory in half or I'm going to, you know, I had an experience where I walk into an office and my the distributor had a meeting and, and it was kind of our kind of a, you know, every three month meeting we walked in and he slid a piece of paper across the board, across the table and was like, here's your new territory. Basically got my territory cut a million and a half dollars for no reason other than they just thought my territory was too big and I couldn't handle it. Not that it wasn't performing, but that was just their decision they made. And coming from outside the industry, that's, that's pretty incredible. You know, for me speaking, listening to this, you know, in, in one format, right, you have the autonomy to do kind of and operate as you so see fit, but you, live, you, you run the chance of, you know, someone pulling the, the carpet out from under you, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's fascinating, and even if you are delivering results, that can that can still happen just because they so they just so decide that's that's what needs to happen. Yep, it is. Uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting world on that on the on the distributor model for sure. And when you're under the under the microscope from, you know, basically a guy like most of them are sales reps that have worked their way up into a management role. And then they've been with the company so long. And this is just the trend that I've seen in that, in that distributor model in that market is, you know, they've, they were a sales rep, then they kind of hired a, a couple more sales reps and they became a manager. Then that manager became like a manager for the, you know, the right-hand man of the distributor. And then as the distributor decides to retire, these guys take over and buy that business. And now all of a sudden they're the owner and of the distributor and they they think their way is the only way, and that's how they're going to manage. And interesting, some guys are great sales reps and become an owner, and and just are terrible man, terrible owners. Right, just like a sales rep could be a terrible manager. Right, it, it all depends yeah. on on the person. And you know Correct. that kind of leads into to my first question here, um, is you know what do, like what makes a successful sales rep? Like how do you actually work your way up that ladder? And is it, you know, is it time in the industry? Is it dollars sold? Is it, you know, I'm kind of just curious how that's measured and, and what makes a successful um, medical device sales rep? You know, that it, it, it's, you know, I wrote some things down and, I, you know, one of, the, one of the things I think is a given, but it's important, is you got to know your product inside and out. You have to be the expert. And you got to be excited about it. And if you're not the most knowledgeable person about your own product, you, you know, you're not going to get looked at again. You know, doctors don't want to be, for lack of better words, bullshitted. <laughs> you know, they're, they're very intelligent people. They know the majority of the products they're using. And if you come in and try to kind of fumble your way through a, a demo or the science behind a product or whatever, the, whatever you're trying to sell them on, they kind of know it right away. Um, so that would be my number one is you got to know your stuff and you got to be very knowledgeable. And if you're not, you're going to get walked out of the room. And I think number two is going to be, you know, you got to be personable. You've got to grow those relationships. And I think that's the most important. And, and for me, being born and raised in, in the town that I'm in, I've got a lot of uh, long-term relationships that I've developed 
and these people, these, these, not these people, these surgeons and doctors, I feel, you know, they, I think they respect me as a sales rep. Um, I've become friends with a lot of them and they trust me to know that, Hey, Jonathan, we've got a ACL reconstruction coming up next Tuesday. They don't have to think about it. They don't have to think about that case again, as far as making sure that, Oh my gosh, is the product going to be there? Is the rep going to be on time? Is, are the instruments going to be where they're supposed to be? Is the table going to be set up? You know, it, that to me is where it goes. You've got to be the expert. You've got to be professional. And yes, there's a time to cut up with these guys. But when it's in the OR room, prepping for a case or whatever the scenario is, you got to be professional. Right, that's all business, right? That's all professional. And it, it kind of sounds yep. like, you know, you, your you walk into on. a room, you know everything about your product. You're ready. You're prepared. They're going to translate that to you being ready, you being prepared in the OR. Yep. So, so John, this kind of um, takes me to the next question, and this is like one of my favorite questions, because I think that there's so many unused, unique sales tactics out there, especially in the device world. And obviously, I have a handful myself that I use that I think are pretty unique and pretty, uh, you know, basically undiscovered by most reps. What is something that you do that you think is, you know, off the beaten path? considered a, a unique sales tactic uh, in order to a, maybe land a case, get in front of a doctor to grow your business, whatever it may be. Well, it's, it's, it's a loaded question because there's so many touch points that we have as a medical device sales rep, you know, we have to sell, obviously number one is your doctor. You also have to sell your OR management or hospital management. Then you got to sell the nurses in the room. Then you're selling the doctor staff. So we have a ton of touch points that we have to hit on throughout a sales process when you're talking about a sales call. And, you know, I'll lead in just when you're walking into an office. One of my favorite things to do is like, hey, I'm here to see Dr. Smith or whoever the doctor is. And, um, you know, I never take a business card. Um, and I always forget an ink pen for some reason, you know, not for some reason. I never take an ink pen and I never take a business card. Because it, it's kind of like, well, why in the world would you show up for a sales call without a business card or an ink pen? That's ridiculous. And it usually brings a little bit of a laugh to the lady in front of you because she's like, what an idiot. And, uh, but it always breaks the ice, and they're always willing to give you a pen to write information down. And, you're, and it's always, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I forgot that. I'm, I'm, I'm ner-, you know, whether you say I'm nervous or it's like, oh, my gosh, I just I got out of my car. I didn't think about it. Whatever, you know, you kind of play the person that you're in front of. And as we all know, you, everybody's met a gatekeeper that's just unbreakable, right? <laughs> so um, that's kind of my first one is always, I always kind of forget that standard approach that everybody's going to do is walk in with their business card, walk in with their ink pen and say, hey, I'm here to see so-and-so. This is Jonathan with so-and-so. Here's my card. They're going to look at you and be like, okay, here's another one. And they put the card down and say, oh, he's not available. Totally. So that's totally my icebreaker majority of the time. I know it sounds stupid, but for me, no, no, it it's, seems to, it's the small thing. It seems to work it's, every single time. It is all of the details that seems to work that so, in these yeah. scenarios. So, so, John, you brought up a great point. And something I kind of want to expand on a little bit more is you say, you know, there's so many touch points that you have to sell not only the surgeon, but the hospital staff, the nursing, uh, maybe the staff in the clinic. How do you change your sales pitch depending on who you talk to? Ooh. Um, you know, obviously you want to be a little more scientific with the surgeon and a little more, um, polished when it comes to that. And you want to have your, 
your game face on. You want to make sure it's presented absolutely perfect. You know, when it comes to the, the hospital, say if you're going to hospital management, obviously you're going to have your folder. You're going to be very polished. You're going to be in your suit and tie, and you're going to, you're going to have it very professionally done. You, you know, that delivery is going to be, you know, because you're not going to the hospital to sell a product. You're not walking in going, this is how this product works. You're selling your company. You're selling what your company discounts can be, what kind of rebate programs you have, what kind of, you know, you're really getting into the financials. Yeah. You're getting the financials. So you don't want to walk in and not have, be prepared to present any one of those above. So, you know, a lot of the back office work is done ahead of time where you're, you're doing like, you're calling my corporate or I'm calling my corporate office and saying, Hey, I've got an opportunity with this hospital. They do this dollar volume. We call it TAM. T-A-M is total, um, Total addressable um, total, market. Yeah, total available market. And, you know, if we get 50% of it, we can provide this discount and so on. But, you know, if you show up with that just in chicken scratch paperwork, and I'm not, I'm, I don't think I'm telling anybody what they don't know, but it's nice to hear it that, look, you got to walk into that office and be prepared. Um, and with, when you're talking to the office staff, they're always interested in what the doctor does because a lot of them don't see it. So you want to be more personal with them, and I don't want to say dumb it down. But you kind of dumb it down a little bit and say, you know, when the doctor's doing his rotator cuff, you know, he's going to go in from this approach, and this is the anchors that he uses. And when he's talking about his bridge technique, this is what they mean by that. Have like a little demo or a picture on your phone. You know, it, with the tools that we have today with with phones and iPads and, you know, you don't ha- necessarily have to walk in with your with a folder and pictures. You know, you can walk in with an iPad with an animation and say, you know, this is what the doctor's doing. And it can be a pretty generic animation, but they're like, wow, that's so cool. So, you know, and you want to make them feel important that you've taken the time to, to put something together to show to them, you know, and then that, that nurse is going to go to work for you in the OR one day when you're like, hey, I really need a favor. Can you call me when that case is going to start? I'm running way behind. You know, so like I said, there's, there's the touch points. There's all the people that you want to talk to to be on your side because you never know when you need to call in a favor. Totally, totally. And, John, I, I couldn't agree more. It's almost like, especially with, uh, with the staff, it's almost like you're planting a seed, you know, yep. even though the, the interactions may be short, you're showing that you're appreciative uh, of what they do and what they do for the doctor that you work with. Um, and additionally, I mean, even just remembering the minor things, whether it's, you know, what they did the past weekend or maybe something about their family life, it always seems to uh, work well for me, especially in my career. Um, oh yeah. So, so John, this is, this is actually my favorite question and I'm hoping that you have, a, a good answer teed up for this. So with 16 years in the business, I'm assuming you've probably seen a lot. You've been in a lot of unique situations, especially in the OR. I want to know what is the most interesting case or the most interesting story you've had in your 16 years? <laughs> There's a lot. Um, I, one of my favorite ones is a, is a competitive scenario and it goes back to some of your questions that you've asked you know success that we've had in this business what are my sales tactics what are this you know some of my favorite stories it a lot of them and it and it's not that anybody else wouldn't do it but so i race sailboats believe it or not in louisville kentucky we race sailboats and uh, we race on the ohio river but and we race every wednesday night at 5 30 rain shine storm doesn't matter um, 
And I had a competitive situation where I was, I've told my wife this I, when we first met that every Wednesday night at 5.30, I go sailing. Between 5.30 and 8.30, don't, don't call me. So I leave work. There's a doctor working. He's not a, he wasn't a user of my product. So I, I left and was on my way to the sailboat and um, got down there. My dad and I and our, our crew were down there. I'm in my swim shorts. And my flip-flops drinking a couple Coronas and my phone rings. And it's a surgeon who is in the middle of a case and he is struggling dramatically with a competitive product. And the, the OR is like, look, he can't figure this out. The, the other company is sent, like they, they're deer in headlights. And I said, I'm on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few beers, and they were like, he said he doesn't care how long it takes, just get here. So my dad turns the boat around. I jump off the boat. I run into the – I drive over the OR, my flip-flops and swim trunks and a tank top. And um, I run into the OR, and I, I don't want to say I saved the day, but I brought products to the table that worked. I dropped everything I was doing to win the business, and he was 100% conversion of – product in one case at that day forward he never used that product ever again and um, today I can't get him back off of the other product because he wanted but he's like you know you just were you you saved the day but it was a, it was a great it was just a funny story because the doctor was deer in headlights and this and this the two senior reps for this other company couldn't figure anything out so that's an interesting story just from a how do you what are you what does this business mean to you as a rep what is it what are you going to do to to win you know your success i attribute that i'm going to do whatever it takes to win and i'm going to be there for you no matter what and that was a great win for me because he was a big big surgeon very busy john you so, came in and saved the day that is it in <laughs> in swim trunks and flip-flops no that's better right I'm, so that's he just kind of looked back he's like Whoa. That's right. He kind of looked back and said, what are you doing? I was like, I've been on the boat drinking, you know, and of course you're not supposed to be in there drinking. Now this was years ago, but it was just a good success story from, and it was a good story to tell. And, and, you know, you all have been in the OR yourselves and you know what they say is what you hear in the OR stays in the OR. So it's kind of hard to tell more stories than that. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> So, so I, I have kind of a question to, to, to round this out and something that, you know, obviously here, uh, you know, we're, we're always interested in learning from as many perspectives as we possibly can um, is, you know, where, where do you see the future of medical device sales? Like what, it, what is in store for this industry? What is in store for the reps, the way, <coughs> excuse me, the industry works? What is that future? Um, I, you know, I've had some conversations with surgeons that are, um, that have moved from the direct, like I want to say direct, they were on their own private practice and some surgeons have moved into the hospital owned arena. And some of them have wanted to go down the corporate hospital world as, as far as the management goes and hospital supply chain and, um, and they want to kind of be the MD part of the, of the supply chain. And why are we buying these products? And um, so that it, to me, it's a loaded question because I think a lot of it's unknown, but I do hear some rumblings of 
a lot of doctors going direct to hospitals. And what that means is hospitals are getting more um, strict on what products they're allowing to come in the door and what they're approving and what they're not approving. Um, some of them are going dual vendor. They're saying, all right, A company and B company, uh, or here all the companies are, give us your best pricing, what you're going to do for us, you know, present your business plan, rebates, pricing, et cetera, et cetera. And then in, after they put everybody together, they say, all right, we're going with company A and company B, the rest of you beat it. Um, I know that's happened here in our town in a, in some capacity in the orthopedic world. Um, it hasn't gone across all the lines as far as sports and totals and trauma, but I know on the West coast for sure, there are some hospitals that were even single vendor for like each specialty. Like if you were doing an ACL, you had to use this company. If you're doing a rotator cuff, you had to use this company. Um, I think that trend is getting bigger and bigger. Um, I also know there is some more surgery center type places that are going to a repless model where they're saying, all right, we are going to buy all the product and we're going to go with a repless model. We're buying all of this company and this is what we're going to do. And we're not going to have a rep. Um, and even some companies are even going to a repless model. They're saying, all right, Jonathan, we're this company and we're going to have this line year to sell this product at a very discounted price, but you don't have to cover cases. If they want to buy your product for pennies on the dollar, then they're not going to get a rep. Um, so it, it's, in that, and it's a scary for the, for us that have been in the business a long time. Cause you're going, Oh shit, you know, where's my value going? Um, another project that I, that I was kind of a part of about five years ago was there was a hospital chain that was looking to go to hire a, a tenured rep that had a lot of relationships within the city. And they were looking to a hospital chain was looking to hire him because what what's happening is a lot of the hospitals are not taking advantage of the industry. And what I mean is a lot of companies have, if you buy their implants, you know, associated with those implants are instrumentation and different things they need for surgery. And a lot of companies offer up a promo deal where if you buy X amount of implants, they can, you know, uh, promote a instrument out that accompanies that um, implant where a lot of hospitals have no idea that that's even a possibility. And so what I was, looking at doing was being the sales rep for the hospital, communicating with the surgeons and letting them know that, Hey, look, you're using this product. We have five of these products on the shelf. Do you really need all five or can we just get away with the one? But you wanted someone that was knowledgeable, someone that had relationships and that could talk to these surgeons and let them know that. Um, but that kind of went by the wayside because of some political reasons with the guy I was working with but I know that there's still talks about it. So I don't know that I actually really answered your question, but I think there's a lot of uncertainty to where it's going. Um, I hear a lot of grumblings that their reps are going to be kind of going by the wayside in the next five to 10 years. Yes. It's, 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 it's very real. It, it's extremely interesting. And, and with my background, you know, I've had experience in, in real estate and, and other, you know, kind of what I view as legacy industries. And, it almost seems as though so many different folks who, who function the same way that a rep does, or let's give it, say a real estate agent does, you know, everyone has kind of that same lingering fear. And it sounds as though there's just a, a ton of uncertainty 
around the entire industry and it's trying to evolve, but it just can't figure out exactly how to. Yes. I would agree with that 100%. So, so John, I, I think you're spot on. I mean, the consolidation efforts, especially here on the West coast is obviously a big, uh, a big play with a lot of hospital systems. I totally feel you with the, uh, you know, almost like the paranoia um, of the, of the thought of potentially becoming, you know, almost irrelevant as a rep. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see how that plays out. I know some hospitals, especially here in Southern California, have kind of gone to that repless model. Uh, I love, you know, it's too early to predict. I'd, I'd love to see the data supporting, uh, you know, outcomes based, whether the surgeries take longer. Uh, can, you know, as a, as a rep, you, you provide a lot of value, especially in the OR, ensuring that, you know, there's no hiccups and whatnot. So I'm curious to see the data that comes out supporting, uh, you know, supporting or if not, you know, almost against the, the concept of a repless model. Um, but yeah. nonetheless, I mean, John, I think you're spot on. I mean, there's, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty and paranoia in this industry. Um, however, that doesn't mean that, that what we do as a, as a living as far as, you know, a rep is considered, you know, unneeded at this point. There's still a lot of value in reps. And I, and I think a lot of people would agree. Yeah. And I, you know, there's, there's a value in reps and, you know, I've always thought about, you know, gosh, you could, you could almost start a company as a rep and go to a, and, and go to a big hospital chain and say, you are missing the boat as far as your inventory management. You know, you have, you know, your OR management, your, um, your case management, your rep management. I mean, I know here locally, when we walk into a competitive situation with a certain company, they roll in with two or three reps at a time. And, you know, you're just, to me, you're jeopardizing your, as a surgeon, that would be jeopardizing your patient safety. When you're bringing three reps in for one case, you're kind of like, okay, wait a second. You have way too many bodies in the room yeah, over for, on how to use a suture anchor. You know, you punch a hole and fill it, right? I'm not, we're not reinventing the wheel. And all the companies have, a me too product at this point. There's really not a company out there that's got the earth shattering product anymore. That's reinventing surgery. And so, you know, when you're talking about, you know, that, that industry, it's, it's scary because there's me too products. Every company's got one who's going to give you the best price. And that's what we're going to go with. That's kind of how I feel about it. Totally. Totally. And so John, I'll kind of want to end this on, on a little bit of a fire round, uh, you know, quick, quick response. Uh, I'm going to throw out a few questions. Feel free to just kind of throw out what's on the top of your mind. Um, I myself am a big reader and, you know, I, I read a variety of books, fiction, nonfiction, uh, you know, self-help business books. What's one book that you've read, um, you know, in the past that you really think has, has changed your perspective on things? Oh, <laughs> George, I got three kids. I don't have time to read anymore, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you okay. know, I do, I do most of my, like, you know, there are plenty of those self-help, self-help, self-help books out there. I find myself reading more literature on, from the um, um, industry. When you're looking at your journals, you know, I got a surgeon that when he finishes with his journals, he saves them and I take them home and I read about ACL reconstruction or what's new in shoulder reconstruction. I find myself reading that about the anatomy and what the surgeons are going to be looking for because, you know, they, they really read those journals and they take what they say and they go to these meetings and they hear their peers talk. And so I want to be in that world. And that's where I feel that helps me the most, the most is I can stay 
up to speed with them and what they're reading. Sure. Sure. And you know, the JBJS journal. Totally. Totally. And I, and I totally get where you're coming from. Uh, next question is, you know, as a rep, we obviously spend a copious amount of time in the car driving from account to account, hospital to hospital. What is one thing that you do in the car or listen to in the car while you pass your time? <laughs> um, that's a good one. I'm supposed to be honest with you, right? hundred percent. So you, you know how we, uh, like we as reps are always for lack of better words, kissing somebody's ass. Customers always write scenario. So you kind of got to, um, <laughs> you kind of got to bend over and take it majority of the time. If you're, even if you're right, or if something's gone wrong, you know, you get beat up by a surgeon, you get beat up by an OR coordinator or hospital management. Somebody's told you, you've got a home run sales meeting set up and they tell you no. Um, then you got to go get in your car and you've got to basically release. I love to listen to like a heavy metal song or just an ugly gangster rap song. And I'll scream my head off kind of like, get it all out while you're in the car. If you have a successful meeting, then you listen to some really fun music. I don't know. I decompress that way or I drive really fast and like an idiot if I have a really bad meeting. <laughs> so, John, you are, not, you are not that's alone, amazing. my friend. So John, <laughs> so I love it though, just cause I, I got some really good playlists that I'll, I'll throw on and depending on what happens at that day. Perfect. Perfect. Well, John, it's been an absolute pleasure, uh, an absolute pleasure to reconnect with you. Um, I, I, I can't thank you enough to, to join us on the podcast here. Uh, I definitely learned something new. I could say, uh, I could probably tell you Patrick had learned something new. Absolutely. Uh, again, wonderful to reconnect with you. And thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, 100%. I uh, appreciate you having me and I'm glad to be numero uno for you. Well, that wraps it up for the day. In the meantime, don't be a stranger. Kick us an email. Throw us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time. But for now, the curtain is closed.